Here it is, straight from the horse's mouth. Hi, I'm Philip Lumel. Welcome to No Uncertain Terms, the official podcast of the Turn Limits Movement for the week of January 31st, 2022. Your sanctuary from partisan politics. U.S. Rep. Ralph Norman represents the 5th District of South Carolina in the U.S. Congress. He also represents nearly 90% of the American people as the lead sponsor of the Congressional Term Limits Amendment Resolution. We spoke with Representative Norman last week. Hello, Representative Norman. Welcome to the show. Glad to be here, Philip. Thank you so much for having me. Let's start out with a little bit about yourself before we get into the subject here. I know you represent the 5th District in South Carolina. You were elected to the U.S. Congress in 2017. What did you do in uh, private life before the U.S. Congress? Well, I was, I'm a real estate developer by trade. We developed, initially started uh, housing, single-family housing development, then went into to the commercial development of uh, shopping centers and and hotels, which is mm-hmm. primarily what we're doing now. I came into the state legislature in 2005, the same year Nikki Haley, uh, ran for the state office and uh, was mm-hmm. elected as a House member. So served about four terms there. And then when Mick Mulvaney went to OMB, decided to run for the seat. <clears throat> okay. You know, uh, Nikki Haley is a big supporter of tournaments as well. <laughs> oh, yeah. Nikki has been right on uh, not only with her the way she governed the state, she's been right on when she was with the United Nations. She's mm-hmm. been right on just about every topic that's ever thrown her way. Good deal. Well, I was excited to speak with you today. Um, you know, I'm informed by the U.S. Tournaments team that you are uh, one of, if not the most committed sponsor that the Congressional Tournaments Amendment Resolution has ever had in the House. And we've had some stars. Uh, you know, uh, Ron DeSantis, now governor of Florida, uh, when he was in the House, was the sponsor of this bill. Where did your fire on this issue come from? Well, you know, a couple of things. One, when I was in the state legislature, you had people who had been uh, in holding office for 20, 30, some even 40 years. Uh, And the same that I'm seeing now in Congress, you have people serving as in Joe Biden for half a century. And now uh, so many members who have served for 25, 30 years. And everything has a time limit on it. When you're, if you're a commercial pilot, when you're turned 65, you have to give it up. Mm-hmm. And to to go to whether it's a state legislature or to Washington, and live off the taxpayer's dime, is is unconscionable to me. And that's not how the Constitution was set up. It's a if you look at the the favorable rating with residents, I mean with with voters, it's 90 some percent. Now, there's 78 co-sponsors on the bill. That's um, HGR 12. Um, and I might note there's 18 senators who have signed on to the Senate version as well. Right. Now, this is the most co-sponsors the resolution has, has had at one time. So we'll get into a little bit of mechanics here. How do you and your team solicit support uh, for the bill? Are you knocking on doors um, in the Capitol or are Congress members coming to you? How does that work? Both ways. Well, typically... Um, uh, you know, I will t- see a member that somebody else has talked to or that I know has supported in the past and that signed, signed the term limits pledge when he ran for office. Oh, right. And when you mentioned that, uh, not only did they sign the bill, 
uh, signed the term limits pledge, uh, but there's a 95% approval rating of voters. What's wrong with signing on to it, particularly with we've got a lot of young members coming on, which is a good thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, so when we hear of names, I, tip, I reach out to them, I call them. Uh, we, we will hopefully add another 10 to 20 over the next 60 to 90 days based on conversations I've had. Yeah. Well, based on standards of the U.S. Congress, you are a young member, by the way. (laughs) Well, (laughs) Congress will age you, I will tell you that. (laughs) I believe it. I believe it. Um, Is it ever uncomfortable talking about this issue with uh, fellow Congress members? I mean, yeah, it sounds great when they're saying it to the uh, voters. I know that's an applause line and and, uh, it it has that polling, as you mentioned. But it also would directly affect, you know, the fellow member you're talking to. Is that ever an issue with talking to fellow members? No, because I think deep down, Philip, people know it's right. When you see members in the hallways can barely move around because of their age, and it's just, you know, everything has a time limit on it. Mm-hmm. And this, the, the framers of the Constitution, uh, you know, I think were, were, were people that went to work, made a living, and then politics was something they, you know, was a service to them. Uh, then, but when they finished their day, they came home. We've expanded mm-hmm. government so much, it's got to be a career. And, uh, you know, the only way to do it is to mandate it like this. And the only way to do it, and we answer all the time the critics who say, well, uh, you know, every two years we have, we have term limits because the voters can yeah. put us out of office. Yeah. My argument would be look at the, the, the amount of money that goes into campaigns Right. That it's tough to uh, it's tough to go to, to run for office, and then it's tough to beat an incumbent, and because mm-hmm. of the money that they get, a lot of times from voting a certain way. Uh, but you need to have to go home and work under some of these laws that you've passed, and you get out of touch uh, mm-hmm. with the American people if you don't. You make a good point about the money. You know, statistically, in the House uh, where you are, the candidate that raises the most money uh, wins the seat over 90% of the time. And an interesting also, uh, that it's because another 90 number, is the fact that an incumbent running for their own seat wins uh, over 90% of the time. And of course, <laughs> these numbers are practically the same because there's so much overlap. It is. So. And I've seen in Congress, uh, you can g- get buried where people can't really follow your votes if if you're not really paying attention. You know, the American people want to send send us up to Congress to, particularly now, provide limited government, return freedom to the people, uh, and to come home. Unless you have um, something mandated, it's just not going to happen. I tried to get a, uh, and I think it was in 2019, it put on the ballot, just Mm -hmm. simply asked a question uh, on the ballots that went out, do you, uh, would you like to have term limits? And uh, I couldn't get that passed, but Right. You know, I think now it's a new day. I think now with what's happening with Joe Biden uh, and his cognitive decline based on his age, people are having an open ear to it. And I think we'll, we'll eventually get there. Hmm. I think you're right. Now, polls show uh, that a supermajority of Democrats, as well as Republicans, support congressional term limits. That 90 percent number you threw out there, that includes everybody. Um, but now. Most of the co-sponsors of your resolution are Republicans. Why is right. that? 
Why do you think that is? Well, I think, you know, I think most people, uh, most conservatives that identify with the Republican Party know it's right. Mm -hmm. I think you've got a lot of Democrats who are typically big government, uh, particularly now, the the ones serving now, they're radical, big government people. They Mm -hmm. were put up by groups that uh, basically do the bidding for them. And mm-hmm. they put a lot of money into campaigns, and they pretty much control the candidates. We need people who are not uh, controlled by anybody. But I think the Democrats, they are, if they really believe in in the fact that they're for the people, they want to help, uh, you know, the masses, then put yourself out there, serve for a fixed period of time. And you know, as our bill, uh, the bill I have, and the one that Senator Cruz has. You know, six years in the House, two terms in the Senate, 12 years. You know, once we get enough signatures, we can debate should it be uh, what particular number is magical. Should it be 10 years? Should it be 12 years in the House? Should it be Mm -hmm. three terms in the Senate? We can have that debate as as well as when it takes effect. Uh, And from from what I'm hearing, people will really buy into it if it takes effect after their – is tacked on to the current term. Right. So let's just say we pass six, six, three term for the House. Mm-hmm. Somebody's been in there 10 years. They effectively can serve 16 years, which right. I'm fine. I just want a number that that is goes into the Constitution, is mandated, and will uh, send, send the right signal to this country that you can't go to Washington, D.C. and live off the government forever. Right. Well, we definitely agree with you on that. Um, and the fact that the past years don't count is fine. The date of the tournament will come. And uh, plus, it probably takes some um, uh, preparation, too, for all the turnover in seats. So I think you're definitely definitely right about that. So you're seeing a disconnect between the Democratic politicians in office and the Democrats on the street. Because and the ones in office are up in, not joining your bill, and the ones in the street are highly supportive. Um I want to throw out a little positive note, though, because even though there's one Democrat, as you note, on the bill right now, there's a couple more coming down the pike. We've got uh, Sheila Sherfulis McCormick from South Florida, who won a special election this year to replace Elsie Hastings. She signed the U.S. Terminalist Pledge to support your bill. And so did uh, Representative Jared Golden of Maine, another Democrat who right. was elected in 2019, hasn't gotten on the bill yet, but uh, presumably will shortly. How helpful is the pledge that we're handing around in getting uh, convincing Congress members to uh, sign on as a co-sponsor to your bill? It's very helpful. You can't have enough of them that are spread around. And, you know, now part of the reasons, the, the ones, there's a disconnect with the Democrat on the street and the Democrat that's serving, it's so polarized right now. I mean, if you look at the last 12 months, uh, I mean, look at what's happened to this country, and it's hard to imagine the voter, you know, the, the Democrats that are voting for this uh, socialist legisl- legislation, and it's pretty polarized. Now, the Democrat on the street, you don't see it up close and personal like I see it. I mean, it's hard mm-hmm. to have a conversation when you talk to a Democrat who votes for the John Lewis Voting Rights Act, which takes away photo voter ID. You know, right. and, and support same-day voter registration or, you know, pick any of the boondoggles that this administration has had, the invasion at the border, the withdrawal of Afghanistan. You know, the list goes on and on. So it's polarized, but the the what the literature you're giving out helps build momentum uh, with the elected 
office holders who are Democrats will have mm-hmm. to listen to. And I will say this, too. Um, if you sign a term pledge and then don't sign on to my bill, <laughs> there's consequences because, you know, they ought to be advertised as why did you, you know, why did you sign a term limits pledge and then you're reneging on it? How's that going right. to work on your reelection? Right. That's very well. Effective. We def we definitely uh, try to keep the hold their feet to the fire when they pull that because they get the benefit the, from as they know they know full well the what the polls say about tournaments and people's support for it and they get the benefit from that while they're running and then if they get in and don't sign your bill it really says something negative about them and you make a good point too about the polarization I think maybe that's another reason why it's so difficult to get Democrats on the bill uh, simply is because it's a you're a Republican and it's a um, it's just the conversation isn't healthy right now with people in their their camps, you know. No, but, and you you know the the you know so many conservatives feel the fabric of our nation is being torn apart by these by the uh, Biden administration, and it is. And so, and then when you combine that, that the Democrats are, and there's a lot of dissension in their party. They just with Nancy Pelosi, they're not going to buck her. And they're scared to death of, you know, what she may do to them. So you've got that lever that she has. And her her mantra is don't do anything Republicans uh, want at any right. level. But we're going to keep right. doing it, and we're not going to quit. Okay. We're going to keep trying. So where do we go from here? Now, you've, uh, you've introduced the bill. You're working to add co-sponsors. What kind of threshold would you have to reach, do you think, to get a hearing on this resolution? I mean, what would it, what would it take to get your first hearing on this uh, tournament's resolution? Well, I just need to get the signatures. We need to get the two-thirds in the House, which are 290, and to get to 67 in the Senate. And um, and then we move it on. I mean, Ted Cruz is okay. doing a good job. It's all about getting signatures now for me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and that's what, you know, because we're attempting to uh, change the Constitution, and um, and that's that's our goal. And I think by the end of the this year, I should have another 20 to 30 uh, which means it's going to be a uh, wow. we're going great. to be able and with the upcoming elections, uh, with the midterms, we should see a big swing uh, on signing onto the bill. Well, naturally, everyone listening to this podcast, no uncertain terms, <laughs> uh, wants to see a resolution succeed. What can people outside of Washington do to help you? I mean, does a letter to their congress member really matter? I mean, is is a group of citizens coming to the Coming to congressional office uh, next year's have any effect? Or the sign waving in their district get attention? What what can people do out here that will back you up in what you're trying to do up there? Great question. What the your your listeners need to to do is to call their particular congressman that they get to cast a vote for, especially the ones that signed the term limit pledge. Those that have not signed the term limit pledge, try to get them the constituents. Uh, to sign on. It does no good for, uh, like, I'm from South Carolina. It does no good for any of the voters in this state to write Nancy Pelosi a letter. We can't hold her accountable because we can't vote for her. So you've got to make it, localize it where each state and each uh, congressional district, the uh, the we the people take charge and contact their, their congressman, particularly now. With the midterms coming up, every whether you're Democrat, Republican, you, you're looking at the election. Uh, you need support, particularly Democrats, because the tide is against them. Right. Uh, and you know, people have suggested it's going to be a 23 to 40, you know, 
seat changeover, why not uh, get the Democrats who are running now to sign on? Because a lot of incumbents are going to get beat. you got 28 that are retiring on their own. Yeah. So it's well, a wonderful no, opportunity. It is. No offense, but we really hope that Democrats take up this issue. They need one that resonates with people. Um, the, the ones that they're getting from Washington right now are not resonating with people. So um, I think that would be very effective for them. And I'd like to see more of them pick up the flag, you know. My message to them uh, is, why is this not a positive for you? With this kind of approval rating among the voters, why, how does this hurt you? And if they can, if they take the, uh, the Republican banner off of it as being a win for Republicans and think just what's good for the country, then yeah. we win and we'll get our constitutional amendment. If it was a bipartisan bill, it would be a win for everybody. Exactly yeah. right. It's how it's meant to be. Yep. Well, thank you very much, Representative Norman. We really appreciate your efforts on behalf of the voters, Democrats and Republicans, uh, who want to fix the Congress. So thank you for your work and thank you for your time today. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thanks for joining us for another episode of No Uncertain Terms. The Turn Limits Convention bills are moving through the state legislatures. This could be a breakthrough year for the Turn Limits movement. To check on the status of the Turn Limits Convention resolution in your state, go to turnlimits.com slash take action. There, you will see if it has been introduced and where it stands in the committee process on its way to the floor vote. If there's action to take, you'll see a Take Action button by your state. Click it. This will give you the opportunity to send a message to the most relevant legislators, urging them to support the legislation. They have to know you're watching. That's TurnLimits.com slash Take Action. If your state has already passed the Turn Limits Convention resolution or the bill's not been introduced in your state, you can still help please consider making a contribution to U.S. term limits. It is our aim to hit the reset button on the U.S. Congress, and you can help. Go to termlimits.com slash donate. termlimits.com slash donate. Thanks. We'll be back next week. Contact your state lawmakers before they vote on term limits for Congress. Go to termlimits.com slash take action. S-T-L.